Welcome to the Orthodox West Gazette, a miscellany of talks, interviews, ponderings, and presentations. I'm Stephen Brannan, and on today's episode, we're happy to present the keynote address given by Metropolitan Joseph at the 2018 Western Rite Vicariate Conference, held in Fort Worth, Texas, from August 7th through 10th. This was a historic moment for the Vicariate, as it was the first time a Metropolitan presided over the biennial conference. So in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. Amen. Beloved in Christ, I will recognize our, always our hierarchs, you know, our Bishop uh, John, uh, the overseer of the Western Rite, the standing, you know, like the permanent Bishop for the Western Rite. And with us today, we have a special guest, Bishop Jack Iker, from here, from Logan, from Fort Worth. So we welcome him. Christ is in our midst. We gather here in Fort Worth to celebrate the 60th anniversary of the establishment of the Western Rite Vicariate in our Antiochian Archdiocese. We honor the memory of our ever-memorable Archpastors, His Beatitude Patriarch Alexander III and Metropolitan Antony, both of thrice-blessed memory. We look back with a sense of awe at the vision and courage of these two men to embrace an idea that other local churches talked about in theory for a century. And they made it a reality. So we have two kinds of people. People talk and people do actions. I believe that theirs was the true spirit of Antioch, a spirit of missionary zeal and a spirit of lived incarnational theology. Some theorized about the Catholicity of our holy orthodoxy by speaking in lectures and writing essays while our venerable archpastors showed it by example. <clears throat> My esteemed predecessor to the throne of North America, Metropolitan Philip of thrice blessed memory, followed in the footsteps of Metropolitan Antony in being a vigorous supporter of the Western Rite. When I came to this country as the Bishop of Los Angeles and the West, I took my example from Metropolitan Philip and worked to support the Western Rite parishes under my archpastoral care. In our diocese, there was always unity and brotherhood of all of our clergy, and I always worked very hard to provide care without discrimination to all of our parishes. I am committed now to continuing in this path, which is why I have made it a priority to be with all of you this week. In my remarks today, as the successor to, Metro to Metropolitans Anthony and Philip, as the shepherd of this God-protected archdiocese, I would like to revisit the founding vision of our vicariate and discuss how we may stay true to its principles while advancing those principles in our own time. There are those who argue that after 60 years of trying, now may be the time to abandon this project that is the Orthodox Western Rite. I do not believe those voices truly understand the times in which we live, the challenges 
that we face as Orthodox living in the West and the necessity of building on the work that was begun 60 years ago. I would argue that the mission Metropolitan Antony had for the vicariate is actually more critical in our troubled contemporary times. The Western Rite edict founding the vicariate talked about a twofold mission. One, to provide a home in the Orthodox Church for Western people who did not want to become Eastern to become Orthodox. And two, to serve as a witness to the Catholicity of the Orthodox Church to her Eastern Rite faithful. When he presented his proposal to the Archdiocese Convention in 1958, Metropolitan Anthony called upon the empathy of the, attend of, of the attendees to understand that those Western Christians seeking orthodoxy wished to preserve ancient forms which are as precious to them as ours are to us. He explained that in the history of the church, the different ethnicities and cultures who accepted the gospel developed rites that were suitable to their own languages and music, but emphasized our faith was one. He actually joked in his remarks about the different liturgical expressions being like food. I quote, Yorkshire pudding and sauerkraut and spaghetti are just as nourishing as kibbe. Kibbe, you like it. <laughs> So Yorkshire pudding and sauerkraut and spaghetti are just as nourishing as kibbe. It's just that we do not, we don't enjoy them as much. <laughs> you have to know that Metropolitan Anthony Bashir had a big, big sense of humor. Of course, his eminence was being humorous. But there is an important point upon which all Orthodox Christians from traditional Orthodox countries would agree. There are many important traditions in our cultures, our ways of life that help transmit the gospel from generation to generation in very tangible ways. In Lebanon, there is a beautiful custom of setting a, a bonfire on the feast of St. Elias after celebrating the vespers of his feast. There is the Serbian tradition of an entire family having a patron saint and celebrating what they call the Slava together on the feast, on the feast day. The Russians make special pancakes called glini for cheese fair week before Lent. So there are countless beautiful cultural expressions of the faith in both the East and West that help people live as Christians in their everyday experiences. <clears throat> so Metropolitan Anthony understood that we should not, cannot legislate that everyone has to adopt each and every one of those local customs to be fully, fully orthodox. Nor should we attempt to deprive people of their cultural customs when they are not in opposition to the orthodox faith. He extended this. He extended this not only to the little traditions little t traditions I mentioned, but to the holy tradition, a big capital T, that is our liturgical worship as well. Our Archdiocese, therefore, has made a, com has made a commitment to you 
and to your congregations to welcome you into holy orthodoxy while you maintain a way of life, a way of prayer, a way of worship that was passed down to you throughout many generations. Of course, Metropolitan Anthony, in his wisdom, created a Western Rite Commission to study the liturgical texts and rubrics and customs to make sure everything was in conformity to the Orthodox faith. On a side note, I am not unaware that there is still work to do in this area. And there are points of disagreement between some of you about what forms or devotions from the Western Rite are applicable or appropriate for Orthodox use. The matter is a complex one. We are trying to incorporate a rite that at its root is wholly Orthodox, but has continued to develop over a thousand year period in separation from the bosom of Orthodoxy. And within that span of time was further impacted by a splintering of Western Christianity into a multiplicity of denominations, each with their own attempted reforms of the right. I would remind everyone that 60 years is actually a short amount of time, at least in terms of church history, to get everything exactly right in this regard. I have been very pleased to assign to you a godly bishop known for his pastoral love and wise discretion in the person of His Grace Bishop John. I have confidence in his approach to consider all of these things with patience and prayer and brotherly love. I do not believe the way forward is through a reliance on scholarly debate or writing academic papers or delving into liturgical archaeology. The way forward is through the ascetic labor of Christian life, worshiping, praying, fasting, serving, and forgiving. The way forward is constantly refreshing one another with the reading and studying of the Holy Scriptures and divinely inspired by Holy Father, inspired Holy Fathers. As you become illumined by the grace of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit himself will guide you in further developing that orthodox phronema that is the surest. In fact, the only sure, in fact, the only sure guide working through the questions with which you sometimes wrestle. I will address this topic in more detail when I discuss tomorrow the self-discipline of the priest in my remarks. In looking at the discussions surrounding the Western Rite during its early days in our Archdiocese, I discovered certain misgivings shared by Father Alexander Schmeyman in a famous series of essays regarding the wider problems he found in American orthodoxy. He completely, he completely agreed philosophically with the idea of the Western Rite, but he was concerned that congregations entering the canonical boundaries of the church would not be able to fully convert to orthodoxy. He did not say this in any sense of orthodox triumphalism. On the contrary, in his wider critique of American orthodoxy, he felt that due to our theological, pastoral, missionary, 
and canonical weakness in this country, the only true way of transmitting the faith was through our liturgical worship. So that's why it's not by accident they call us and we call ourselves a liturgical community. Because everything, you know, like is there. Everything. He asked the question, therefore, how would Western congregations become Orthodox without those services? Again, I realize that there is not a simple question with simple answers. Yet, I think Father Alexander's essays contain the very path forward to our Western Rite congregations as well as our Eastern Rite congregations. Let me say clearly, I do not believe that I need to make any kind of special address to you as though you are not an organic part of this archdiocese. You are not second-class members of our church. Your, challenge, your challenges are everyone's challenges. The answers to those challenges, and I think Father Alexander had compelling answers, are everyone's answers. These remarks are the vision I present today are for you and the whole of the Archdiocese as one body. The same language I am speaking to you, I spoke in the convention last July. Let me tell a brief, short story to reinforce my meaning. When I was the Bishop of Los Angeles and the West, I was visiting one of our parishes in Alaska. This was a parish comprised <coughs> completely of converts. I said to them, I dare to say that I am the only born, I am the only person born in the faith in the 600 Yulag gathering, 600 people. So I told them, Although I was born into the Orthodox faith, I am still like you, like you. I am a convert. You know what it means? That is not enough to be born or to convert tomorrow or yesterday or a, 10 years ago. We have to convert to Orthodoxy daily, every single moment. We are all converts. We all have to put off the old man to embrace the new man. We all must daily take up our crosses and follow our Lord Jesus Christ. We all must work to conform our minds to the mind of Christ. As I said yesterday, uh, today, this morning, it's not enough like me to be known and to be recognized and to be acknowledged all the time. So I have to decrease and he has to increase. I have to disappear, he has to appear. This is priesthood. We must struggle to attain to the full measure and stretch stature of Christ. This is a lifelong battle for each every Christian. During my speech at the clergy symposium just two weeks ago, I said the following, I quote, I think some of our people have a gospel of prosperity mindset where they believe if they go to church, kiss the icons, receive communion, and get the blessing of the priest, God will give them materially blessed lives. We have seen priests and even hierarchs question the moral teaching of the church through using sophistry, sophistry to warp the teaching of the fathers. We have faithfully 
who treat our tradition of noetic prayer and stillness as some form of therapeutic meditation. We have parishes who consider themselves as parishes for only Lebanese or Syrians or Palestinians or Americans or converts or any other demographic category that St. Paul would have severely denounced as a betrayal of the gospel and of God. These are problems all of our parishes have. These problems, you know, like all our parishes have. The Eastern Rite has not, the Eastern Rite has not through osmosis kept certain of our people from warping orthodoxy in their minds or understanding its language in ways alien to the patristic tradition. Perhaps it has provided an anchor that has helped keep them from straying even further away. But it is not an end in and of itself. Embracing the struggle of the Christian life within the liturgical life of the church is what forms the necessary spiritual conditions to understand the liturgical texts and writings of the scriptures and the fathers with an orthodox phronema. So regardless the right, regardless of the right, we need an orthodox life, we need an orthodox life to be orthodox. So let us turn to Father Alexander's critique of American orthodoxy and his proposed solutions to its challenges and look to see where they are still instructive for us today. In his third of three essays, Father Alexander pointed to an often heard statement that I hear in our contemporary time as well. I quote, it is impossible to be orthodox in America, end of quote. In other words, the American way of life is so antithetical to the tradition orthodox way of life. The church must adapt her herself. His list of impossibilities back then amounted to enforcing canonical norms providing a full liturgical life other than Sunday mornings and getting the people interested in anything other than social activities. I often wonder what he would think if he were to hear the list of impossibilities that we hear from our people in 2018. What Father Alexander pointed to as the main issue undergirding these impossibilities was secularism. The way he discussed secularism in the American context of his time was very interesting. He pointed out a great paradox that the United States is both very religious yet very secular. The way, his, the way this paradox worked itself out is that the public sphere is autonomous, governed by its own values, principles, and motivations. So in contrast to an atheist, atheistic secularism, as in the Soviet Union or China, American secularism allowed the church to be religious in its own sphere, to conduct its rituals unimpeded within the walls of the building. To quote Father Alexander, American secularism both accepts religion as essential to man and at the same time denies it as an integrated worldview, permeating and shaping the whole life of man." End of quote. 
One of the ways in which this happens is that Americans came to view religion as playing a useful role in society. Religion helps. It helps people feel better when life is hard. It helps people celebrate or mourn important life milestones. It helps people be nicer to one another. So American secularism can accept the utility of religion on its own terms. Father Alexander powerfully argues that to be orthodox is to accept the gospel, not as an intellectual proposition, but as a way of life. Orthodoxy cannot be confined to its utility. She cannot accept in her children the compartmentalization of their, of their lives. Father Alexander argues that, unfortunately, the church in America unconsciously surrendered. She surrendered when her leaders began, began talking in terms of our people, when discussing her orthodox, faithful American and of saving their Russian, Russian-ness or Greekness, I will add Arabness within the context of the American way of life. She surrendered when her parishes were reduced to the worldly success of tracking the number of people in the pews, counting the money raised at ethnic festivals, taking pride in the size and beauty of the church buildings, and even focusing on the correctness of the rituals offered, she surrendered when her parishes considered themselves as merely religious communities or corporations within the wider American society. Father Alexander called for the church in America to remember that salvation is a matter of persons. So he called, Father Alexander called for the church in America to remember that salvation is a matter of persons striving to live orthodox lives. A people is not saved. A culture is not saved. Individual persons together as the church are, as the church, as the church are saved. Priests and bishops must present the gospel to their flock as individual persons and save souls. So that's why if you go on, online, if you go on the Archdiocese website, you see my enthronement, the speech of my enthronement. I gave one title like similar to this, one title, Saving the Souls. I have no any other ministry beside saving the souls. So if I fail in this area, I am nothing. So our parishes and our archdiocese must not have the organization replace the church. Any other name is nonsense. The church above all of us, the umbrella, the flag, the flag. So our parishes and our archdiocese must not have the organization replace that church. They must not be places that retreat to their assigned function in society, but must be places where the living God is encountered and each person has his or her life transfigured 
by communion with him the whole of life, not a part of life. The solution to secularism, according to Father Alexander, is threefold. One, that church must recover the true spirit and meaning of liturgy. That's why I, I announced in the symposium that two years from now, the next symposium would be on liturgies. Because, you know, whether Eastern or Western, in peace let us pray to the Lord, and we fight over the music, you know, like whether Western or Eastern, and wherever we lock the church and we go, we save no one. We save, we save no one. So that's why liturgics, liturgics, you know, like, is, is, or are the vehicle to heaven. Every single moment, Saint Anthony the Great, Saint Anthony the Great, you know, like this holy man, famous man, he conquered, he, he was victorious over all the demons by using the name of Jesus Christ. Just like the name of Jesus Christ, you know, like he, he was like a new person. So we don't need to make it complicated, you know, like this, right, and that, right, and whatever. Everything we are using is just a vehicle to something better. <clears throat> so the first one is the church must recover the true spirit and meaning of liturgy. <coughs> Two, the church, she must educate her faithful in discipleship. Three, the church must recover her missionary character. What you have, what you represent, has not to stay in the building to go up. You know, now we sit here, we watch on, uh, on CNN, on uh, Fox News, you know, like something we don't like, we start the condemnation, and we say the government is no good, the bishop is no good, the archdiocese is no good. <laughs> but we are still like the same problem, you know, like we have to go out. <clears throat> I do not want to delve too much more into the specifics of the essay, I recommend reading all three of his essays if you have not already. But what Father Alexander goes on to say about liturgy as a challenge to American secularism is so important, especially in a synaxis of priests whose gathering here is defined by the use of a district of a distinct right. He calls on the priests to cease being the organization man. So that's why I told you this morning that in the symposium, my first part of the presentation was the priest as administrator. You know, administration is so important but it can destroy our ministry at the same time. It can destroy the spirit, the momentum, the spiritual spirit within us. So he calls on the priests to seize being the organization man who builds up the reductionist version of his parish. He must lead, and the first place he must lead is in the liturgy. The liturgy must be for our flock an entering into and communion with the reality of the kingdom of God. The liturgy must provide, these are his words, an all-embracing vision of life, including heaven and earth, time and eternity, spirit and matter, 
and is the power of that vision to transform our lives, end of quote. In response to the notion that the church's liturgical life is incompatible compatible with the American way of life because it is too busy, Father Alexander replies, and I quote, all conversations about people being busy, and we hear it all the time now, and having no time are no excuses. People were always busy. People always worked. And in the past, they were, in fact, much busier and had more obstacles to overcome in order to come to church. In the last analysis, it all depends where the treasure of man is, for there will be, for there will be his heart. The only difference between the present and the past is, and I have repeated this many times, that in the past a man knew that he has to make an effort and that today he expects from the church an effort to adjust him, herself to him and his possibilities. The liturgical restoration must be thus the first challenge to secularism, the first judgment on the all-powerful all prince of this world. And of course, in Los Angeles one day, I met five years old little one with her family, and the family is so close to me. And I said, Christina Seymour, by the way, I said, Christina, next time when your parents come to my chancery, come with them. And with all confidence, she said to me, Your Grace, I have no time. Five years old. <laughs> And on Sunday, like today, like today, after I ordained some priest or some deacon, he says to me, Your Eminence, what's your wisdom? What's your, what's your uh, advice for me today? I don't say, you know, like, read this book, read that book, read, that is for sure. But I say, master your time. So to do this adequately, it is not just a matter of the correct rituals and correct rubrics. In his essay dealing specifically with liturgy, Father Alexander states, the problem of secularism must be healed by the language of the church in the deep, all-embracing, and not only liturgistic, linguistic, meaning of the word that man and society do not hear or understand, the language which includes the texts and the rites, the whole rhythm and the whole structure of worship. So the priest must be a teacher of the liturgy. He must educate his people through his homilies, his talks, and above all the example of his own life of the transformative power of the liturgy. The priest must make the sacred words of worship with all of their poetic beauty and theological prof profundity <clears throat> relevant to his flock. Let me read it again. The priest must make the sacred words of worship with all of their poetic beauty and theological profundity relevant to his flock, not made relevant by changing or dumbing down the liturgy, dumbing down the liturgy, God forbid, but by evangelical teaching. I think we can all agree that Father Alexander had a very incisive view of the challenge that American culture had for orthodoxy in his time. And I think he provided a very comprehensive view of the way 
orthodoxy needed to meet that challenge. We can discuss the ways in which the church in America may have succeeded in implementing some of his ideas and ways which she did not. I would like to offer a few thoughts by way of adapting his view of American secularism for our contemporary time. I believe the days of the by nine, I believe the days of the by nine secularism Father Alexander described are fast coming to a close. It is not hard to see that merely teaching our people to be nice and sociable in the public sphere is no longer acceptable. There is increasing pressure to succumb to abandoning the moral precepts of the Gospels as many Protestant communities have. We can see the way the reductionist surrender of our parishes to being mere social clubs will not come to haunt us. If our parishes have accepted to be merely worldly organizations in a wider society, not the hospital for sinners to be healed spiritually for participation in the kingdom of God, then the wider society may now feel completely justified in dictating how we draw up our membership roles and how we decide our employment policies. We can also see the rise of nationalism and identity politics in our society further reducing human beings to ethnic groups and races. We will be, we will be tempted as never before to have our parishes succumb to the temptation to be only for a people or a culture. This reduction may be very tempting for many of our parishes, and perhaps the pressure of the secular society can be abate, abated somehow, somewhat by appeals to multiculturalism, but it is a trap and a betrayal of the gospel. I think it is also important to note that one of the major issues Father Alexander wrote about is that people in the church throughout history may have been worse sinners than, than people now, but those people would have identified the church as the reference point of their lives. They would have recognized their sinfulness Father Alexander wrote about the people in his time believing the church should adapt to them as the reference as the, as the reference point. How much worse is this issue in our day? Let us now return to the Western Rite Edict of 1958. As we mentioned before, there was a twofold mission. One was offering the Western liturgical tradition for people of Western cultures, and the other was offering a witness to the Catholicity of Orthodoxy to those of our Eastern Rite. <clears throat> in what way do we enhance this mission in 2018, now 60 years later? This is a question, a big question. And I will answer as much as I can. First and foremost, as I began my remarks today, both aspects of the twofold mission will be enhanced by your being simply orthodox. To play off of the line mere Christianity used to such great effect by C.S. Lewis, pray as simply orthodox. Repent as, as simply orthodox. Forgive one another as simply orthodox. Read the scriptures and fathers as simply orthodox. And yes, within the context of our right, 
liturgize as simply orthodox, be simply orthodox. Without my getting into the specifics of the rubrics or liturgical texts of the Western Rite, I call on you, as I do our Eastern, as I do our Eastern Rite priests, to join the liturgical rebellion against secularism that we have been speaking of. What are we rebelling, rebelling against? We rebel against being reduced to people in an ethnic group or worldly organization, not persons being saved. We rebel against liturgy being a ritual on a Sunday, not something that transforms the whole of our lives. We rebel by making the liturgy and its evangelical preaching and eschatological reality, the real refer reference point in the lives of their flock. Brothers, join the rebellion. You must infuse your ancient right, not with the debates about the rubrics of this or that century but with the pure teaching of orthodoxy that used to define it. As Father Alexander calls us, we as the priests must teach the liturgy, make it relevant for the transformation of lives. Teach your people the orthodoxy, the orthodoxy of your ancient rite. Reclaim it by your constant conversion to it. Like I said at the outset, Western and Eastern Rite need this constant conversion to the phronema of orthodoxy. I found one aspect very strange in those visionary and prophetic essays of Father Alexander. His essays are a call to conversion of orthodoxy to orthodoxy. Yet he questioned whether the Western Orthodox could be converted using their, their rites. He wrote that we convert through rediscovering what the liturgy is, rediscovering its power. He admitted that his Eastern rite contemporaries had the liturgy but were, but were getting it wrong. I do not understand why he thought this Eastern Rite clergy could rediscover their tradition, but the Western Rite could not. So I call on you to continue your conversion to orthodoxy the same way I do every day, and let it transform your liturgical life, and by doing that you will be transforming lives, individual by individual. You will be fulfilling the high call of the first part of the edict for our Western people. What do you now offer your Eastern Rite brethren? This is a question. What do you now offer your Eastern Rite brethren? You have witnessed the Catholicity of the Church for 60 years. I think there are further things you can offer. One, you can offer this image I have spoken of constant conversion to an orthodox mindset. You can offer an example of liturgical renewal that renews lives. Father Alexander knew our Eastern Rite clergy needed, needed it then and I say we need it now more than ever. Offer them that witness. I will also challenge you to present to your brethren, especially those tempted to give up their cultural traditions to embrace the American way of life in the negative, in the negative sense Father Alexander wrote about. Show them an example of 
Americans who model an authentic Orthodox American way of life. I do not mean that you should undermine American life, but rather we should be a positive affirmation of what is good, what is holy, what is beautiful about American life. Show them an American life transfigured by orthodoxy. <clears throat> At the end, in actuality, I hope you hear my message that your challenges are all our challenges. Your way of answering those challenges are the same answer for all of us. We are one archdiocese. One archdiocese. We are one body of Christ. We all equally share the incarnational theology and missionary spirit of our mother church, the Church of Antioch. We meet these challenges and work and work towards fulfilling our call as Orthodox priests in this time and in this land together as one. I look forward to spending these blessed days with you. I pray that they will be full of God's divine grace and mercy and for our salvation and the salvation of the flocks.